Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Now, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be lengthy tonight. I'm not going to be lengthy. I'm really, really not. <clears throat> but I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about some stuff that I think is very, very important to the church. I truly believe that people are looking for three things in life instinctively. You might want to take a note of this while you're standing. Let me call them the big A's of life, the big A's. First thing people are looking for is affection. In life, people look for affection, which means you matter to me. You matter, okay? The second thing people are looking for is acceptance. There's acceptance, a sense of belonging somewhere, a sense of belonging. And the third thing that people look for is affirmation. It's affirmation. Everybody say affection. Affection. Everybody say acceptance. Acceptance. Everybody say approval. Approval. Affirmation. Affirmation. We have a a wonderful, wonderful young boy, young son, a man that comes to our church, and he comes very regularly on Sunday morning first service. He's a basketball player at the University of Texas. And he has become our friend. He is a tremendous young man. He's a starting guard for the University of Texas. And he was here Sunday. And I did not see him when I was preaching and teaching the gospel Sunday. But when I started walking down, he stepped out of a chair right over here, stepped out of a, a aisle and opened his arms to me. He came here uh, when Katrina took over New Orleans and his family was driven out. And I don't know what kind of family dynamic he has, but I do know one thing. He has found a family dynamic at Christian Life Church. And I think that everybody needs to feel loved. They need affection. Say it. They need affection. They need to have a sense of belonging. They need acceptance. And they need affirmation. They need approval in their life. Thank you, church, for being that kind of church. Now I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to shake their hand and say, I'm going to help the pastor tonight. And you may be seated. A church that loves, a church that accepts, and a church that affirms has a healthy glow about it. But this cannot happen without a basis of life called joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. I've never seen mad people have have affection, have acceptance, and have affirmation. I've never seen people that stay angry all the time show those three A's to people in their life. But I have seen people with joy show that continually. God has spoken to this pastor and told me to tell you that we have not seen even the beginning of what he's going to do for this church. I want to share that with you. This is 3-2-2016. I've been pastor here 26 years. There is a little trust factor in this church. I trust you. You trust me. We thank God for that. I've never taken this office for granted. Every day I get up, it's the same way. God, I need you today. I need you in my life. I need you more than I need my next breath. And that's how I feel tonight. Nehemiah chapter 8 in the New King James said, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, Drank the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, 
For the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Charles Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon is a writer that I read from when I was a young man. In fact, I was a student of his sermons and I was a student of his, of his word. He had a whole litany, a whole volume of sermons. And he wrote a book called Lectures to My Students. And he said this, sad tones may fit an undertaker, but not someone who is called to preach the good news. Spurgeon said, Thee, there are brethren who dress to look sad. They dress from head to toe. They present a tone of sadness. They present a tone of death. They don't know how to smile. They don't know how to show joy. He said, they might as well bury the dead, for they will never influence the living. Spurgeon said, if you would lead men to heaven, you've got to wear heaven on your face. Amen. Thank you. Robert Louis Stevenson once entered into his diary that he considered to be an extraordinary thing. He said, I've been to church today and surprisingly I'm not depressed. (laughs) Christians are not supposed to give up joy to be Christians. Say it with me. Christians are not supposed to give up joy to be Christians. Some claim that you must give up everything to be a Christian. I was raised in a church like that. You've got to give this up. You've got to give that up. I always want to stop them and ask a few questions. Do you mean a husband and a wife have to give up each other to be a Christian? Do you mean a student should give up his studies to be a Christian? Do you mean a businessman should give up a lawful, honorable business to serve the Lord? What do you mean when you say the Savior requires us to give up everything? Jesus never asked me to give up anything except what is sinful in my life. I want want every Christian to hear me right now. God wants you to have a good time in this life. I I may get on your theology tonight, but God wants his people to be happy people. He wants his people to be joyful people. He wants you to smile in the morning and laugh at noon and get tickled in the afternoon and go to bed giggling. God wants you to be joyful in the Lord. That's what he wants you to be. I didn't have to give up being happy in order to be a Christian. The fullness of Jesus' love was never designed to make anyone sad. He only wishes to take from us what is sinful. He only wishes to remove those things that would hinder our highest enjoyment here and our eternal happiness beyond. He hasn't come that we might have sadness. He has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Everybody say more than life. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody say more than life. Life plus. Say life plus. Say life plus plus. Say life plus plus plus. As many pluses as you want, just keep adding them because God, oh, somebody help me preach right now, wants you to have joy. Hallelujah. And his spirit is what I call your joy well. Kind of corny but cute. Who needs an oil well when you can have a joy well? 
He said, this, this experience that I'm going to give you shall be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, you would never thirst again. In the Hebrew faith versus Eastern religions, the Jewish encyclopedia states that no language has as many words for joy and rejoicing as the Hebrew language does. In the Old Testament, there are 27 different words used for some aspect of joy. 27 different words for joy. So in other words, (laughs) if I have a nine-hour day, I can have joy three different times, three different ways in one hour. Oh, somebody ain't getting me tonight. It ain't just a smile on your face. It's not just a clap of your hands. It's not just a light in your eyes. There's 27 different words for the aspect of joy. Hebrew worship sees God as the source of joy. In contrast, the historic rituals of other Eastern faiths were filled with sadness and even human sacrifice. But Psalm 16 and 11 said, Thou dost show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So where does joy come from? Where does it come from? I'll tell you where it doesn't come from. It doesn't come from temporal things. An observant author once wrote, The most miserable people I have known have not been those who suffered from catastrophes, which they could blame on fate or accident, but the, but, the, but the most miserable people I have known are those who had everything they wanted except the power to enjoy it. I wish tonight on this first Wednesday night of March that we could walk into Easter season saying, you know what, I may be troubled on every side, but I'm not distressed. I may be cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Come on. You need to look up and say, I've got so many reasons to be happy tonight. I've got so many reasons to rejoice tonight. I don't have time to be down on life. I can be happy. Let me tell you where joy is not found. It's not in unbelief. Joy is not found in unbelief. Voltaire was a famed infidel, yet he wrote, I wish I had never been born. It's not in pleasure. Happiness is not in pleasure. Joy is not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of sinful pleasures, yet he wrote, the worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. Joy is not in money. Jay Gould was an American billionaire, had plenty of money, yet he said on his deathbed, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. And it's not in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day, and having done so, he wept because he said, there's no more worlds to conquer. But I tell you where joy is. The joy is in Jesus Christ in your life. I wish, I wish, now I'm going to preach a little bit. I wish that some of you could get so drunk on Jesus Christ. I wish you could get so crazy about Jesus Christ. I wish you could become Jesus freaks to a point where you could walk through this life because we're going to need people that have joy unspeakable in their heart and full of glory. We're facing a world that we don't know what's going to happen. But the power that's in us is greater than the force that's against us. And we can, we must enjoy the presence of God in our life. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. For he is my God. 
God has wells of joy. You know, Abraham, years ago, the Philistines found his wells and they stopped up all the wells that he had dug. Because wells brought joy to people because wells produced water. And water helped thirsty people and water helped the crops. And water did a whole lot of things to help cooking. Water was just the essential. You need water in life. And so water brought joy. And they thought they would drive Isaac away, his son, because they stopped up the wells that he had dug. They covered them with dirt. And they attempted to cover up his source of refreshing and strength. The devil would like to do the same to you. He wants to stop up your well of joy. He wants to cover it up. But God commanded Isaac to do something. He said, I want you to redig the wells. Now, he didn't say go dig a new well. He didn't say go over here and compete against your father. He said dig the wells that your daddy dug. Dig the wells that your father dug and find the joy that he produced in this land again. And the Bible said that Isaac planted in one year and that year received a hundredfold from his planting. Some of us need to redig the wells. Life can embitter people. Life is a vicious cycle sometimes. You get in a rut and you think you'll never come out of it. You need to uncover the well which the devil has sought to hide from you and cover from you. You need to holler at that well and say, spring up, oh well, spring up. Every now and then in my walk with God, I just get up in the morning sometime and I say, today I will be happy. Today I will know the joy of the Lord. Today, why don't you say that tonight? Tonight I will know the joy of the Lord again in my life. I will redig the wells of my father. Simple preaching, powerful preaching. We need the simplicity of the word of God. Isaiah 12 and three said, with joy you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. When you start redigging that well, you get happy. You get happy. I am not here to curse and, and, and defile bitter people. Bitterness happens to all of us. I got news for you. I've been bitter before. But bitterness is not where it's at. It'll kill you. Joy will save you. There's no sense in calling yourself a spirit-filled child of God and fighting anger and bitterness and hatred all the time. You need to throw some of that stuff in the garbage. Wrap it up real tight. Have an Acts 19 burning. Burn it up and go back and get your shovel and dig the wells of joy again. Because I promise you, the night you got saved, the night he filled you with his spirit, the night you came out of the water being baptized, the night you had a fresh start in your life, you had a smile on your face as big as Austin. I'm here to tell you, you can walk through life with that still smile on your face as big as Austin that reach all the way to Dallas because God wants his people to be happy and joyful in the Lord. I got to read my Bible today and I didn't put this on the notes, on my notes, but I got to read my Bible today. Psalms 51 is a powerful, powerful thing. David had sinned with Bathsheba and he said, my sin has separated me from God. 
But I want you to listen to this. He said, purge me. His prayer with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Then he says, make me to hear joy. Let me hear some joy. Let me hear some gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. The only thing I can find in this Bible that will take your joy away is if sins got into your heart. You need to get that sin out of your heart. You need to repent of that sin on this first Wednesday and say, God, I'm not going to let bitterness, I'm not going to let anger, I'm not going to let jealousy, I'm not going to let envy destroy me anymore. I'm going to get happy. I'm going to get happy. I'm going to rejoice. When the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon's temple, she loved the building. But what got her was those servants of the house of the Lord. She said, your servants are happy. Evidently, she didn't have happiness and joy back in her house. She said, your servants are happy. Yeah, we are. Because we know the secret. Amen? See, the rod that I wield tonight in this church, the power of this word, hallelujah, is a word that will get you out of here. You know why Moses' rod, when he cast it down, it turned to a serpent in Pharaoh's court, and the magician's rod they threw down and they turned to serpents? You know why Moses ate theirs up? You know why Aaron's rod ate theirs up? Because Moses and Aaron had the only rod that would get people out of Egypt. We're not up here just doing magic acts to make you happy. The gospel that we're preaching is not going to just keep you here. It's going to get you out of here someday. It'll get you out of where you are. It's going to, hey, this thing is not going to wrap up here. It's going to wrap up on the other side. You hear me? And the gospel that I'm preaching and the rod that I'm preaching with tonight will take you from this life to that life. Let's clap our hands and get happy a little bit here tonight. Let's get joyful tonight. Get joyful. I'm going to give you some Bible characters that had joy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had joy. They rejoiced when they were being cast into the fire. You know why? Because they knew they was coming out. You got to get that. That's real deep. But you got to get that. It's not deep. But you got to get it. Daniel rejoiced when they bound him and cast him into a lion's den. You know why? Because he knew he was coming out. God was sending an angel to give those lions lockjaw. And he knew those lions wouldn't be interested in what he tasted like anyhow. Just because he was, because one is cast into something does not mean they are cast out of God's hand. Hear me. You can be joyful even in your den of lions. You can be joyful even in the fiery furnace. Because you know you're not going to stay there. You're coming out. You'll never stay there. You'll come out of it. You'll come out of it. You need to rejoice right now if you're in something because you're coming out. You're coming out of it. You're not going to stay in it. You're going to come out of it. Wow. 
Paul and Silas rejoiced when they were cast into prison. They prayed and sang praises. You know why? Because they knew they were coming out. Paul cast a demon out of a little girl who told fortunes and they didn't bring him the key to the city. They had a right and tried to kill him over it. So they threw him into jail with Silas. And they, did they worry getting depressed? No. They knew they were coming out. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. I know that many of you have problems and issues and we counsel people at the church. And I know that there's issues in your life. But I'd rather face issues in life with the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Than to face them with my own wisdom. I am a joyful child of God. Maybe you need to get up every morning and start saying that. I'm a joyful child of God. I, I think speaking it matters. Woman with an issue of blood said, if I can touch his garment, I will be made whole. In fact, she said, if I can just touch his hem, I'll be made whole. You need to get up every morning and say, I'm a joyful child of God. Amen. My friends may not like me. My work people may not like me. But I know one that does love me. Amen. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me how much people you'll win when you get a smile on your face and you get heaven on your face. I'm not far from quitting. See, here's why these Paul and Silas knew this coming out. Daniel knew he was coming out. Hat, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this coming out. Because all these people were on a different frequency. That's the reason. You can take a dog whistle and blow it real loud and nobody will pay attention to it. But every dog in the neighborhood will perk up his ears because dogs are on a different frequency than we are. They, oh, hallelujah. They hear things we don't hear. I'd like to say Christians are on a different frequency from the world. In Acts 9, when the people with Saul heard thunder, Saul heard a voice. You hear me. We're on a frequency that the world doesn't know anything about. That's why we can rejoice when everything's going wrong. That's why we're hearing something that they can't hear. They're hearing defeat, but we're hearing victory. They're hearing sickness, and we're hearing healing. They're hearing condemnation, and we're hearing mercy. They're hearing despair and sadness, and we're hearing joy. Amen. They're hearing down and out, and we're hearing, oh, lift up your head and your eyes, your redemption draweth nigh. One of our old saints walked in today. He said, Pastor, I love 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17. The Lord is a coming again. He's been over on a walker, and he walked in church, and he prays for me every day, and he said, the Lord's coming, Pastor. The Lord's coming. Yes, he is. I may be looking down, but I'm looking up in my soul. Amen. Because I promise you, I'm not going to go through this life with Jesus in my heart, mad and sad and disgusted and busted and act like I can't like anybody. I'm going to have joy. I will have joy in my life. I will have joy in my life. Amen. 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 I hope when I die and they bury me, I hope I'm doing this. Woo! 
Oh, we need, we all need to try some joy in our life. So I'm going to say tonight, I'm not far, take your medicine. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Take your medicine. Take your medicine. Take your medication. God's got some good stuff for you. You need to take a tablespoon three times a day. Take it when you feel like it. Take it when you don't feel like it. And take it when you don't know how you feel. Just keep taking that medicine of joy. Come on, a merry heart, a merry heart, a merry heart does good like a medicine. Amen. God wants you to have joy. Sometimes God sends a song to get us through. One of my friends has been singing because he lives for many, many years because he went through four years of hell and because he lives got, got him through it. Another said the same thing about amazing grace. But the song that gets me through hard times and Randy sings it here and the praise singers sing it is your presence is heaven to me. Who is like you, Lord, in all the earth? Matchless love and beauty, endless worth. Nothing in this world can satisfy because, Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. Treasure of my heart and of my soul. In my weakness, you are merciful. Redeemer of my past and present wrongs. Holder of my future days to come. Your presence is heaven to me. All my days on earth I will await the moment that I see you face to face. Nothing in this world can satisfy because Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. And then we go into that bridge. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, woo, your presence is a heaven to me. Oh, if you ever see me driving down Westgate, if you ever see me driving down William Cannon, and I got my hands in the air, and you think, what in the world is he doing? I'm singing, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, woo, <laughs> Your presence is heaven to me, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Your presence, heaven to me, your presence is heaven to me. Woo! Take a long look, folks. Some of you are asking, how can I have joy? The reason you're asking is because you're on the wrong frequency. You're hearing what the news is saying. You're hearing what they're saying on the television. You're hearing what all the prognosticators are saying of where this world's headed. You need to take a long look. It's not one of those things of my four no more. It's a thing of God and all his saints throughout eternity. Psalms 30 and 5 said weeping may endure. It may endure. It didn't say it would. It may endure. But I know one thing. Joy is coming in the morning. 
joy is on its way. Everybody say, joy is coming to my house. Say, joy is coming to my house. If you take a long look, you know that joy is coming because Jesus is here. And joy, by the way, is a fruit of the Spirit. I need to tell a story about my boy in closing tonight. Is that all right? He died at four. He was my buddy. I got three pictures on my desk, one of Justin and one of Roger Staubach and one of David Robinson. That's three men that have impacted my life, and one of them was a four-year-old kid. But he would look at me every day. This was his famous line. Daddy, I love you with the love of the Lord. And I'd look at him, and he'd say, would you take me with you today, Daddy? I'd say, son, I, I can't take you today. Daddy's got to do a bunch of business, and I can't take you. He said, Daddy, you didn't hear me. I love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs> I said, boy, I can't take you. And it was almost like we'd get into this argument. Because he was, every step I took, he wanted to go with me. I would go to the church and pray, and he'd follow me around the church. Justin, go play. I want to be with you, Daddy. I love you with the love of the Lord. Can I go, Daddy? And I'd always say, yeah, son. Go get your boots on. Go get your tennis shoes on. Come on. He'd run in there happy. Mama. Daddy's letting me go today like I never did, you know. He'd come in there and he'd say, Daddy, my heart is full of joy. You know why? Because his daddy let him go with him. You have a heavenly father that if you'd open up your hands to him and say, I love you, with everything that's in me. Can I go with you today? He'd say, yeah, kids, come on. Let's go have a joyful time with myself today because I am your Savior. I promise you, joy is just that easy. Get off this frequency and get on that frequency and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He wants to give you joy that's unspeakable. Come on. And full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. That concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.